Talk Radio for inquisitive people. Solace Radio, Ponte Vista, Colorado. Continuing on the book of Revelation, this is one of the, in this chapter, chapter four, is a lot of people struggle and there's a lot of explanations of the creatures and the people that many times they're just not correct. And um, so hopefully I can later rest some things for you or maybe open up even other questions because there's a lot of controversy. After all things, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice like a trumpet which I heard speaking with me before me said, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after these things. Instantly I was in the Ruach, the Spirit, and there before me in heaven stood a throne. And on the throne, someone was sitting. Of course, this is John's experience. So what is the great controversy? Well, First of all, the scripture is used to support the rapture, non-existent thing in the sense of how it is explained. And of course, I've touched about some of that in this study, and I will touch about it in many more times. So some people might say, well, if you, don't believe, if you don't think there's a rapture, why is that? I think it's a reasonable question to ask a fair question. The rapture populace, those people that promote it, claim this is a reference to the saints being taken up prior to the tribulation, that John is giving a prophecy here. But there, but there is no tenable, which means there is no valid position for this. These verses and following are about the vision that Yeshua is sharing, and it is just a vision. These verses and following are about the vision that Yeshua is sharing. This is a visionary calling up, not a prophetic word of a future event. It's just a vision. Sometimes we have to see things just as visions. And of course, I've said on occasion, particularly in the study of the book of Revelation, that Revelation is a literal book. It is a literal book to me, and it should be to you, which can, but within its context contains many visions and symbolism. And we have to be able to balance those things within the text. We can't just weigh things the way we want. We need to weigh them the way that they're given so that we don't overemphasize or look for something that is beyond what is going to happen. Uh, or, in this case, create a doctrine about something that is not valid, and then we end up following false false prophets or false vision. We have to be very careful of that. There's a lot of visions in this world. Um, just go on the internet, right? Just go on the internet, and you will easily find lots of different visions of what people believe they should or should not be, not be doing. So, getting back to the book, Revelation being a literal book, but a literal book that contains visions and symbolism. What I mean by literal book is that we need to literally take these things seriously and we need to understand what they are so that we can understand what the Lord is speaking to us and what he expects. So, But it's also true that with the limited knowledge that we have, sometimes it is difficult to know the difference, which is how the Lord planned it. He wants us to walk in faith. He didn't give us a how-to book in every detail. He didn't do that in anything. Don't be One of the things that you can test things with when you're looking at other things, don't be tempted by somebody says they know it all. That's a problem already right there. Because nobody knows it all except the Lord. In fact, most of us see with dim eyes. We all see with dim eyes. Yes, the Lord will give us revelation. He will quicken our spirits. He will edify us. But anybody that is teaching from a position of authority that they know it all, run. But that doesn't, that truth, that fact does not impact the, the vision or events as being the word of Yeshua, right? Or the vision of Yeshua nor how they will play out. That's where faith comes in. All these things are given to us. We don't have knowledge of all of these things and how they play out. But the word of Yeshua, the word of God, the word of Yeshua 
does not return what? Void. What does that mean? It means it'll all be fulfilled, right? It, it all has weight to it. It all is important. And none of it will return void, um, or, nor will he twist it. We have a problem with that sometimes. So an example of will not return void. The Lord has given us his word, his Torah. And if we reject Torah or lay it down and say it's no longer valid, it has now become void. That's a John, Yochanan, John was reporting what he saw. In the whole book of Revelation, he's reporting what he saw and what he heard. He's a reporter. Lots of times we need to be a reporter. The Holy Spirit desires that we be a reporter of what he's speaking to us or what he shows us, that we would be a reporter. John's not special in that sense. The problem is a lot of times we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, so we can't report any. But if we listen to our flesh, then we report what the flesh and not what the Lord. So there's always for me, there has to be the practical application of the walk. There has to be a practical application of all the word, even the vision. There has to be a practical application of understanding so that we can understand what the Lord is showing us and that we can also walk it out or be faithful to it. How can you be faithful to what the vision is telling us if, we, if somebody uh, distorts what the vision is or just says, don't worry about it? It's allegorical. That's a problem, isn't it? Because we're really all too easy to go, hey, somebody told me I don't have to worry about this stuff. I'm not worrying about it. Well, who are we listening? Are we listening to the Holy Spirit? Are we listening to man? You know, we were singing, we were worshiping this song that, you know, I will not bow down to the gods of man, yet we really like listening to the gods of man, don't we? We're all, we're all susceptible. That's not a condemnation, but it is a, it's a, a, a statement of be aware. So he was, Yochanan John was reporting what he saw, the symbolism and the symbolism that God was showing him, which is unfamiliar to us mostly, usually, is was familiar to him. The Lord wasn't showing things to Yochanan that he didn't understand. They're not familiar to us because most of us haven't been trained in Torah, so these things are unfamiliar to us. But they were familiar to him since they are found in the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, which would make it real for him and it would be understood. Is everybody kind of following me here? When we don't have information, things are going to look foreign to us and we're going to just miss them. Yeshua wasn't showing things to Yochanan to confuse him. He was showing things to clarify to him what was going to happen. We, need to, we may not understand it, agree, but he did. And so our obligation is to understand how Yochanan, how John understood it, and the only way we can know that is from the Tanakh. Because that, that was John's worldview. All he knew was Torah. So if Yeshua is revealing things to him about what's coming and how it's going to happen, or what the, what the premise of it was, he has to speak with Yochanan with things and images that would be familiar to him. Everybody with me? It's just the major problems are not familiar to us. And what happens is when things aren't familiar to us, somebody redefines it. And in Christianity, it's been redefined. Many of the things and the images have been redefined because they don't understand what they are. So you get different definitions, different applications. So hopefully I can clarify some of that. So in the, in the, in the, in the vision that, that John has given, is this really how heaven appears? Because some people teach, oh, we should really look at this because this is how heaven appears. Is that true? Well, first of all, I don't think we can actually answer. The important truth is that Yeshua knows all the details of heaven. And he's showing us things that are, that are all about the supernatural and how the supernatural is going to affect the natural. We may not get the dynamics of it. We may, we're never going to know it all because if we did, then there's no faith. Right? So, but he is he's showing Yochanan. And, and of course, 
the reality is he's not just showing Yochanan, is he? Why? Yochanan wrote a book. It's called Revelation. So he was revealing it to Yochanan, but he's also revealing it to us. 2,000 years ago, Yochanan said, holy smokes, you're not going to believe what I saw. And everybody knew what he was talking about. Today we go, what the heck is he talking about? This stuff is just weird. Well, some of it's a little weird to me. You know, when, when we showed the video, those things, they're way out there, aren't they? For us. I, you know, when I was in college, I drank a little. I think I thought, saw some of that stuff in college. But it had nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. It just had to do with spirit, right? So anyway, we all sin and we all move on. Okay. You can't be transparent. What can you be, right? So our, our obligation, our, our, our desire should be that we want to focus on Yeshua, right? And, and, and the walk, the walk that he is on and the walk that he works out for us, right? So I believe in heaven, right? Does everybody here believe in heaven? I hope you do because it's a promise. I don't know what heaven looks like. I know it's going to be good. The Lord made it. He's there. It's going to be good. I don't have to know if I'm going to have gold streets or a condo or a Cadillac. I don't need to know that stuff. Probably not going to. In heaven, who needs a Cadillac? I'm going to be flying. I got wings or something. I don't know. But I believe heaven is more than any mortal can grasp. I don't worry about trying to define heaven. I can't. And the vision of John doesn't really help us that much in defining heaven. It doesn't. That's why we have so many scholars out there over thousands of years writing stuff telling you about heaven and they know absolutely nothing about it except the same stuff if we're willing to look at it and it's limited. Right? Yochanan gives, Yochanan, Yeshua gives Yochanan what he can handle and relate to. The Lord showed John a vision which he gives, which he reveals to us. It's what John could handle. He could understand it which means that we should be able to handle it too. Is everybody with me on that? How many people have been told, oh, we don't do Revelation, so that book's way out there, and you know, I can't understand it, I can't explain it, let's move on. That's not the purpose of Revelation, to confuse us. It is to solidify our understanding of the end times that God has prepared for us and eternity as well. And it's there to encourage us, but it's not there to blow us away and just ignore it. Revelation chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. The one sitting there gleamed like diamonds and rubies and a rainbow shining like emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothing and wearing gold crowns on their head. Well, what does that mean? I mean, you can find lots of goofy stuff on, on the internet. I mean, you know, somebody trying to explain what things are. So I actually took a quote from Dr. Daniel Jester, who is a good friend of mine. He's the head of Tikkun Ministries, International Ministry. He lives in Israel. I've known him for 22 years. He's one of the most knowledgeable people I know. Um, don't always agree with everything he says, but once in a while, there's something. And if I have something really hard going on, I will go to him and say, hey, what do you think? Pray about this for me. So, but, so related on those verses, so I, what I rest is, so Dr. Jester says it best, is this the way God gives the visionary experience for the best understanding of realities that go beyond what can be literally put forth. Well, that sounds a little scholarly mumbo-jumbo, doesn't it? He's a scholar, right? All these scholar guys, they talk, and then he, everybody's going, yeah, and then you go, what did he say? I'm one of those people. I'm not a scholar guy. Sometimes they use words. I can't even spell the words. How do I know what they mean? So I'm going to say it again. Is this the way he's talking about Revelation chapter 4, verses 3 and 4? Is this the way God gives the visionary experience for the best understanding of realities that go beyond what can be literally put forth. Are there really creatures that look like the ones described as full of literal eyes? So he's posing a question. 
4.6, in front of the throne was what looked like a sea of glass, clean as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living beings covered with eyes in front and behind. Or, or he proposes, or is this a symbol of the spiritual reality? That's a little scholarly too. But what it's saying is, this, it's, it's representing something real, but are they real creatures, or is it representing a spiritual reality that, he, that we're supposed to understand? That's what he's saying. So if we're all looking for these beasts to run around with all the eyes, I think where he's going with this is saying, eh, probably not. The vision is reality. This is his words. But exactly what kind of reality it might be beyond the grasp, might be beyond the grasp of our limited human mind. This is a message from a conference that he gave in 2001 in Israel. And so what he's saying is that there's truth here, but really for us, it goes beyond the ability for us to comprehend exactly what it's doing. What, what, are these creatures real? It's not, and, and, and what he would also say, it's not important that the creatures are real. What's important is what they represent. right? So, so we need to keep the vision in context. So we're going to keep the vision in context. John quite likely is not in his physical mortal body when he's seeing it, right? Because that's what it says in verse 2. Because in verse 2 it says he's what? In the Holy Spirit, right? So if John is in the Holy Spirit looking at these things and seeing these things, don't we have to be operating in the Holy Spirit to understand them? Not in the flesh. And that's our problem. We read things and we go, the first thing we go to usually is the flesh. So we need to be able to learn how to tap in better to the Holy Spirit so that we can see things with spiritual eyes and not in spiritual eyes, we don't have to be quite as alarmed by seeing, you know, creatures with six wings and eyes all over their body. I'm not sure what I would do at first. I might first go cool and then I might get right. That's really oh man. So part of what the Lord in in this vision he's showing John, what what's happening here is the veil, the veil between heaven and earth are open, right? There's there's a connection here between heaven and earth. This is the representation part of what's going on in the dream that the supernatural of heaven meets the natural of this earth and the veil is open, a ladder, so to speak, a conduit so that we, there's a connection here. These aren't the things that John is seeing aren't the normal things that a human being would see. Yeshua has opened the door to seeing things from a heavenly perspective, not necessarily heavenly reality. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. For me, it makes it less confusing. I know you're confused. We're working. Okay. So we can have a perspective that Rob Shul Paul shared with us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2-4. through 4. He says, I know a man in union with the Messiah who 14 years ago was snatched up to the third heaven. There's many levels of heaven. I don't know if you know that. Whether he was in the body or outside the body, I don't know. Right? He says, I don't know. But then he says, God knows. So there's many things you, that, that, that the Apostle Paul, Rob Shul, didn't understand. But he's at peace with it. He says, God knows. And we need to be like that too. We need the things of God are the things of God. And we leave them with him, trusting him in faithfulness for what, for what they are. Paul didn't have to work everything out. He's not trying to work everything out. He's saying, I don't know where he went in the third heaven. I haven't seen it. I've never been there. I'm good. See, there's no faith if we're not at peace with what God's doing. He's far above our understanding. We need, by faith, that, that, that we trust the Lord, that He knows what He's doing, 
And even the things that He shows us, the things that we do understand and the things that we don't, that we can be at peace with both of them. But what happens in our culture that we try to explain everything and we go to other texts and we go to other writers and we go to other interpretations. You know, that's what all these targums are and, and other different writings and, and all these mystery writings and things. Somebody else trying to explain the unexplainable. And we get wrapped up in that. You're listening to Solace Radio, Monta Vista, Colorado. If you like the programming you hear on Solace Radio, please become a partner with us and donate any amount you'd like, and we'd sure appreciate it. And it helps us to reach more and more people around the world with this great message of hope. Thank you for listening to Solace Radio. Now, back to our program. on a practical level that we got a lifetime to handle just with Torah versus everything else? I do. I came to that conclusion. I had to come the hard way because I was forced to study a lot of these other things and it took me many years the Lord to figure out you said, you know what? I don't, that doesn't help me understand Yeshua. It doesn't get me closer. In fact, it probably confuses. God knows. Verse 4, he was snatched. God knows he was snatched into Gan Eden, into Eden, and heard things that cannot be put into words, things unlawful for a human being to utter. So in the end, does it matter if John was in or out? It's the experience and insight that matters. The Holy Spirit speaking to us about things that matters. Can we understand what Paul says? Can we understand what, what Moses says? Can we understand what Isaiah says? Can we understand those things in a way? Can we apply ourselves to those things that we can understand what the Lord is trying to speak to us. And I hopefully most of you have read any amount of Scripture at all. The Lord is very redundant in the things that He wants us to know, even with the prophets. Redundant, redundant, redundant. Paul is very redundant in the epistles. He's dealing with different people with the same problem. I've always said, if the Lord says something more than twice, pay attention to it. I think you should pay attention to everything. Don't get me wrong. But clearly, in the flesh, Everybody, at some level, we want to know. We want to be able to define everything. We want to, we want to be in control. The, the, the need for human knowledge has to do with us wanting to be in control. And the Lord is saying, I don't want you to be in control. I want you to be faithful and follow me. He didn't show these things for John to be in control. He showed these things so John could be faithful and trust and believe. And he could pass those things on that there are amazing things coming. Did, did John try and explain everything in the vision? No. He's given a narrative. In fact, John doesn't try to explain anything, does he? Paul, on the other hand, in, those, in, in many cases, he's trying to explain to you why you've gone the wrong way or why we need to do this way. John just, he's, he's the narrative. He's revealing what the Lord showed so that the Holy Spirit could speak with us. You're not just the, you can't read the word of Revelation and understand what it is. You need to know all of Scripture so that we have a base, a foundation for understanding how the book of Revelation fits in with the rest of Scripture. Of 24 elders, thrones, rainbows, not to mention 24 elders, right? Well, of course, right. They're there. So what do they symbolize? Are they real? So I may disappoint some. Uh, but I, what I've understood about these verses, right, 
first of all, the number 24 represents two sets of 12. Two sets of 12 in unity. Right? So it's not so much the number 24 that's important, but the number 12, which is a significant number, and it's two sets of 12, and they're in unity. Okay? Sometimes, because we don't follow what's important to the Lord, we focus on the wrong emphasis of the number. The number of 24 isn't important. The number 12 times 2 is. All right? So there are what? There's 12. The 12 tribes of Israel, right? We all pretty much are comfortable with that, although the names change depending on where you read it, don't they? I'm not going into that today. Okay. I have enough to deal with today. All right. So the other 12 is the original Shlachim, the original apostles. The 24 thrones represent the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles being in unity. Go figure. Tanakh, New Covenant, in unity. The head tribes, the, the, head, the, the symbolic head of all of Israel, the chosen people, and the apostles, the 12 Talmudim, the, the, the uh, Shlachim, are together in unity and are represented in Revelation that there is unity between old and new, for lack of a better way of putting it. You know, I don't like the word old because nothing's old that way. So, who's heard that taught? Why? Because nobody's focused on that. It's, they're looking past what it, the, simp, the, simp, the, what, the parshat of the text, the simple meaning of the text, right? So I believe that we can make a scriptural case for this, and it is found where? Well, we always should go to scripture. Where do we find it? Well, in Revelation, of course, but I'm going to Revelation chapter 21, verses 10 through 14. It says, He carried me off in the Spirit to the top of a great high mountain, and showed me the holy city, Yerushalayim, coming down out of the heaven from God. It had the Shekinah, right? The, the Shekinah, the glory of God, so that its brilliance was like that of a priceless jewel, like a crystal clear diamond. I don't know if anybody has seen a priceless jewel, a crystal clear diamond. They are a miracle of God's creation. Um, in fact, there is no perfect diamond in the natural, right? There's always some flaws in diamonds, but in this diamond, it's like a perfect crystal clear diamond. Verse 12, it has a great high wall with 12 gates. At the gates were 12 angels. And inscribed on the gates were the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates to the east, three gates to the north, three gates to the south, and three gates to the west. Verse 14, the wall of the city was built on 12 foundation stones. And on these were the 12 names of the 12 emissaries of the Lamb. Well, the 12 emissaries of the land is not the tribes of Israel. It's the Shachim, the apostles. There's a balance here. The names of the tribes are written, but so are the names of the apostles in unity. They both hold up the new city. You following me? This is what the vision, this is what this part of the vision is talking about. I'm showing you practical application that we can support with Scripture of what it means. And this is what it meant to John. We should worry about what John thinks about this vision. He doesn't come away going, what the hell was that? I think it's appropriate. John didn't wander away going, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on. Colloquial terms are important sometimes. They give emphasis to, to what's really important that will speak to us. Not to mention, hell is in the Bible. I always get criticized. Every once in a while I use a word and they go, <gasps> I give a 45-minute message and the one thing they remember is the one word that I use that they didn't think it was appropriate. You're all laughing, but it's life, right? Um, so, is it possible that this number, that this number, the 24, the 12 plus 12, represents the old and the new order in union with another through the Messiah Yeshua? Not only is it possible, it's the truth. 
God is always in His Scripture supporting the truth and the foundation of these Scriptures. And though it looks a little strange to us, we can actually take all the weird, what we perceive as weird, and we can make it really simple to what it is. I hope when we're done studying the book of Revelation, some of you will be totally even worse confused, but most of you will hope we'll have a better understanding of what's going on and how to read it and explain it to others. Remember it. You can, you can go online. You can get it. You don't have to memorize it. All that stuff's all there for you. If you want to listen to the Scriptures, you can send me an email and I'll send you Scripture. So I believe, quite possibly, that it does. Isn't it ironic how the two are struggling in the flesh? In this world we live in, Hebrew, old and new, struggling at odds with each other, when in Revelation showing us total unity. That there is no struggle between the, 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 the Tanakh and, and the twelve tribes and, and between the uh, Shalachim, the apostles, and, and, and Yeshua and, and that order. There, there, there's no controversy whatsoever. The only controversy comes from men, not from God. But we buy into the, into the flesh thing because that, that's how the devil gets it. It's easy. We operate in the flesh. And here the Lord is saying operate in the Spirit. And John's operating in the Spirit. We can do the same thing. John is no better than us. The difference may be John is more attentive. And he's closer to the Tanakh. And he's seeing these things and going, I get it. I understand. It never ceases to amaze me how Scripture interprets Scripture. Right? We're using Scripture from everywhere. We use Scripture to interpret Scripture. Right? That's the only way we can validate what something actually means. So if this understanding is correct, I believe it represents us as well. So I'm going to read from Ephesians 2, 4-7. through But God is so rich in mercy and love and loves us with such an intense love. Isn't that awesome? God loves us with intense love. Not just love. It's intense. It's passionate. It's dynamic. It's at the top of his list. That even when we, when we were dead, right? We're dead when we're not in the Messiah. We're still operating in our flesh. And we're actively sinning with no repentance. So that even when we were dead before we came to know Him, because of our acts of disobedience, He brought us to life along with the Messiah. It is by grace that you have been delivered. Right? We, we hopefully you all know that. That is, God raised us up with the Messiah Yeshua and seated us with Him in heaven. Well, there's, there's a bit of why we need to understand the book of Revelation. Because the Lord not just gives us eternal life, but He seats us with Him in heaven. And the revelation is about the relationship between heaven and earth. So we should have some understanding of the relationship. Not necessarily of what the details look like, but the relation. Right? That the Lord has done all this for the relationship. It is by grace you have been delivered. Right? This is God raised us with the Messiah, Yeshua, and seated us with Him in heaven. In order to exhibit in the ages to come, and this is part of the vision of John. The Lord is revealing what is to come in relationships, right? And in, and in His victories and the defeat of the enemy. So there's a relationship. In order to exhibit in the ages to come how infinitely rich is His grace, how great is His kindness toward us and who are united with the Messiah, Yeshua. In Messiah, in the Lord, we have authority to sit and rule the nation. So I believe that the crowns that are mentioned in verse 10 and 11 are the old and the new ruling in unity. Are you hearing me? We are part of that rule. Those crowns represent us. Everybody following me? That's a pretty important point. Now, not, now, now he's not just 
talking about the 12 tribes rule and, and, and the shlachim rule, but now he's talking about the crowns we wear in ruling nation. Prophetic. Not pathetic, prophetic. Right? Those crowns represent us. Our rule. If, if they don't, then we, we could end up with some contradictions because the, the, the verses are saying that when we're in Messiah, we become in the order of Melchizedek. We are the holy priesthood and we are rulers. We are kings. Melchizedek was a king and he was a priest. We are priests and we are kings. That's why we're out of the order of Melchizedek. It's why it's important and it's why it's connected to this. hope you're following. So now we're taking all these imageries and now we're, we're boiling the imageries down to how, what the, how they work. What do they represent? And, and if they don't represent us, if, if all of the, the, the prophetic and the book of Revelation doesn't get it down to us, what value does it have to us? Right? We have to see our inclusion in God's plan. The role that we actively play. Not allegorically, but in reality. Verse 10, The 24 elders fall down before the one sitting on the throne who lives forever and ever and worship Him. They throw their crowns in front of the throne and say, you are worthy, Adonai Eloheinu, to have glory, honor, and power because you created all things. Yes, because you, because of you, will they, they were created and came into being. The crowns also appear to represent eternal fruit that will come. Good fruit. What is the eternal good fruit? Body of Messiah. The body of Messiah. Bless you. Or whatever you're doing. God bless you. I thought you were sneezing. Barry's night in pain attention. I didn't know. It sounded like it. All right, I take it back then. Fine, you don't have to take it. So I have a picture up there somewhere, right? I think. Next is next. What's the next slide, Shay? No. Okay, I didn't give you a picture? Okay. I don't remember what the picture was. Oh, well, I did. I sent a picture. It was, was a separate picture. It was, it was a, a picture of the four living creatures. So what about the sea of glass, the seven lamps buried, and the four living creatures? So it was just a close-up of the four beings that, you know, that we try and picture. So, is it not seven separate lamps? No, it is not. When you look at how do how in, in the video we watch, how were the lamps represented as a menorah? A menorah is in unity. It's not separate lamps. It's one lamp with seven lights representing the Shekinah, the, the Holy Spirit of God. But in unity, they could have chosen to do it a different way. The Lord created the light of the temple with the menorah. When the Lord is talking about the Holy Spirit and how it's represented, it's always represented with what? The menorah in the natural. Seven branches. This is connected to Revelation. It's a direct connection to Revelation. It's not seven separate lamps, but the unity of seven singles, perfection of the Lord's Ruach, which is represented in the menorah. The seven, not the Hanukkah, the Hanukkah menorah, but the menorah of the temple. Everybody with me? But what about the creatures? Right? We all would agree if you just kind of look at it, how people we vision it, it's a bit out there. But maybe not as much as we think. So again, I'm going to talk about uh, Dr. Jester, who's also a rabbi. Um, from notes I have studying under him, I studied under Dr. Jester for several years, years ago, and so I have a great benefit of personal study with him. And, and, and let me tell you, he confused me a lot in the early years. Um, so he, he quotes, I quote him, the qualities of the living creatures around the throne represent the majesty and rule of the lion, the intelligence and quality of man in the image of God, the swiftness of the eagle, and the steadiness of the calf. 
there's something literal we're supposed to get from that imagery. We, I, don't, I don't expect that we're going to see literally those animals. They are a representation of what God is showing us. The many eyes represent fullness of vision. When we're in Messiah and we're growing in Messiah, we're going to look like these creatures in the sense of the attributes that they have. For, for, for many, to be the picture of the universality what happens when it's not my word and some big studied guy. Universality in rule, right? So he's talking about the, the four may be the picture together of all the rule of God and all of God's attributes and indeed the attributes that he has presented to us through his image, through his ruach, through his creation. Amen? We have Yeshua's DNA, do we not? Okay. So the four beings, the number of directions, north, south, east, and west, the four beings represent the four corners of the earth. Everything. Nothing is left out. There it is. Here it is. It was at what I sent you. Did you find it? Yeah, it was a, sep it was a separate. Um, so, so the picture, so we, we can kind of see a picture of all these weird creatures, but, but it's allegorical in what they look like, but it's literal in what they represent and the qualities that they represent. In order to understand visions of these types, we always need to look at the Hebraic understanding. And I, of course, I'm going to bring it to a close. But without Hebraic understanding, you know, people, there are people out there, I don't want to do the Hebraic thing. I don't want to do the Jewish thing. This is not about culture or tradition. This is about the understanding of the Scripture to the people God gave it to. And we do need to understand what that, what, how they understood it. Let me give it a little differently. We need to understand how Moses understood it. We need to understand how Yochanan understood it. We need to know how John understood it. Because if we don't understand how they understood it, we're never going to get it. We will never understand it. Not the way that we need to. So it's vitally important. I don't think we should be looking, I don't think we should be looking for, for creatures or combinations that make no sense or out of place. I think just looking at those, it's out of place. But when we understand what they represent, they're not so much out of place. And when we get into other books like Isaiah and stuff, they use other strange creatures that actually represent very similarly these. So, um, they will be, these kinds of visions, they will be common to what the Lord has revealed, right, in all of His Word, right? This is just part of what the Lord reveals in all of His Word. What, he isn't doing something different in the sense of changing the meaning of His Word that He gives in, in the Tanakh or what He gives in, in the Apostolic Writings, the Chadashah, the, the New Covenant or what he does particularly in the book of Revelation. It all goes together. It's not a disconnect. But a lot of the theologies out here, they have divided the meaning of the Word of God. They have confused everybody, including me at times. I read less and less commentaries. Why? These commentaries are somebody's opinion. And I want to hear from the Holy Spirit. What happens, we tend to go, yeah, that's what it means. I really try, the longer I'm at this, I, Lord, show me, tell me. And you guys have the same ability. Believe me, right? So, we're, we have, the Word is in common with what the Lord is revealing to us through all of His Word. So only one thing left to say. It's been continued. Same bat time, same bat channel. Amen. Our foundation is built on solid rock. Yeshua. Yeshua. The rock of our salvation on Solace Radio.